0: Welcome to our class called Disciples Who Make Disciples through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session two called The Goal of Discipleship. And last week, you'll remember, we talked about the call of discipleship, and it's really where I was explaining the invitation that Jesus gives to those who would hear it into discipleship, and also the corresponding cost and the commitment that's required for those that are gonna step into what Jesus is offering. I wanna follow that up today by looking at what the goal of our discipleship is. And what I really mean by this is what is the aim? What is the trajectory? What is the end result that we're seeking and want to understand that Jesus is inviting us into this thing called discipleship? If we don't know the purpose or we don't know the aim or where we're going, maybe we're not fully aligned to what it is that he's actually offering. And we wanna also have a metric by which we can measure whether or not we're even growing. You ask this question maybe as the months or the years go by, am I growing as a disciple of Jesus? Well, how would you answer yes or no if you don't know what that's looking like? And so I find this lesson to be really important because it really does provide a metric. It provides us the ability to measure whether or not we're taking the necessary steps that Scripture calls us to and what Jesus is inviting us into. I think it's just really interesting that in life, at least the life I live, that we plan everything. We plan our schedules for the week. We plan, we plan, some people plan out their meals that they're going to eat each week. We plan out our vacations. We plan out our life and where we're going to go to school and what we're going to go, what we're going to do after school or how many kids we're going to have. I don't know how that works out, but people plan everything. And I just don't think that it's reasonable to not plan our discipleship, that that our discipleship is somehow left to happenstance. I think that's unreasonable. I think that kind of unintentionality is actually a disservice to us. When we think about what it means to follow Jesus, and we think about how to follow through with that, we've gotta know what it looks like. We've gotta know what he's calling us into specifically. Not just that there is a call, not just that there is a cost, but we wanna know what does that look like? What's what's that gonna look like in my daily life? What's that gonna look like over time? What am I reaching for? What am I praying into? And this lesson will help us do that because I want to look at three specific things and I've just, I've kind of narrowed it down to three words. We want to look at know, grow, and show what we know about Jesus and that we know Jesus personally and that we grow into the likeness of Jesus, his nature, his character, his virtue, and that we show the works of Jesus. This is what I think it looks like, at least in terms of an end result. This is the goal. This is the aim that we're shooting for. The aim first is that we know him personally, that we walk with him in deep relationship. That's so important. It's very scriptural. It's the foundation for everything else. But we also want to grow into his likeness that we become like the one we're following many scriptures actually say this in all kinds of ways we'll look at those but also that we show the works that jesus showed we do the things that he did we'll look at those various things as well but we don't want our discipleship to be random. We don't want it to be unintentional, left to the wind, whatever happens today. None of that sort of whimsical or capricious way about us or way in discipleship is actually going to work. I don't see it work. I don't think you see it work. We want to know what we're doing. We want to know how we're doing it, at least to the degree that we can. And scripture really does help us with that. So the first area that we want to look at in terms of a goal is to know the person of Jesus. That is our first and foremost goal. We've talked about that, but when Jesus invites us into discipleship, it redefines who we are, and it also embeds itself into a context whereby we know His heart, and we know His ways, and we know His words, and we know what He's thinking. We know what He wants to do. When we think about the will of God, for example, that's going to come. Our understanding of God's will is going to come by knowing His word and knowing His heart, but that comes out of relationship. We're just throughout the day, we're going about our day and we're thinking about this thing or that, what's going to come on our mind in terms of the will of God is going to be dependent on how well we know Him personally. We don't just want to know about Him, but we want that to come close to us and be a part of our heart. And the disciples are really our example on this because they were invited into close proximity with Jesus to such a degree where I think over three or three and a half years, they kinda knew what he, how he was gonna respond. They kinda knew what he was like. They, they, I mean, there were times where Jesus was unpredictable, but they got to know him personally. They ate with him. They, They all slept in the same place. I mean, they went to the same place together. They saw him minister. Jesus asked them to minister. Jesus called them to do the same things. And so they got to know him on a personal level because this is what scripture leads us to, that the foundation of Christianity and the foundation of our discipleship is personal relationship. And the scripture says this many, many times but here's one instance where it says that in John chapter 10 verse 14 and 15 it says I am this is Jesus speaking I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me and even as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep and here in this instance Jesus shows himself the metaphor that he uses at least is that he's a good shepherd and that we're sheep and that he's leading us And the shepherd and the sheep had a close relationship in fact you go on in john chapter 10 where it says that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd and a stranger's voice they will not follow and we know that in ancient times that the shepherd and the sheep had such a relationship where it was they would hear the voice of their shepherd and they would follow and they would go wherever he was calling them but a sh- when a stranger would come they wouldn't follow a stranger because they had been become they had been so accustomed to the voice of their shepherd that they would get confused and so we see this from Jesus giving a metaphor of who he is and how he is with his people sheep are very gentle sheep are followers and obviously shepherds are leaders John 10:27 continues in this conversation that Jesus is having he says my sheep hear my voice I know them and they follow me and this word know is to be intimately acquainted with it's not just knowledge about which is by the way what so many are seeking so many are seeking to know about something and they want to be the smartest person in the room you don't need to be the smartest person in the room it's not about knowledge it's about following are you the most humble person in the room so you have to be humble in order to follow A lot of people, you can be arrogant and prideful to have knowledge, and that's what 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says. It says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Our love for our shepherd, our love for our Savior causes us to follow him. Our knowledge about him may actually detract us from following him when he's calling us into something, which is what discipleship is all about. This is not just about knowing about him. This is about knowing him personally, and Jesus continues with scripture after scripture, saying after saying, teaching after teaching, saying, I want to know you personally. And it's out of that relationship that will come this discipleship that we are invited into. These passages talk about it time and time again. In fact, one of the best passages for this is going to be John chapter 15. I'll just read verses 1 through 11, and you'll see this very clearly. It says, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love, and if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so, that you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus takes a moment to discuss the issue of abiding, which also means remaining. You'll see another translation will say remain or abide. Talking about this connection that Jesus makes for those that are following him. He connects us together and he says, abide in that connection, remain in that connection. He's talking about relationship and it's in this that the disciples are fruitful. It's in their faithfulness, in their connection to him, they find themselves to be fruitful. And I want you to know this, I want us to know this, that if we're gonna be disciples of Jesus, it's not about performance, it's not just about doing something, it's about knowing someone. He invites us in and redefines who we are. And in our redefinition of being sons and daughters of God, followers of Christ, it's in that redefinition and relationship that causes us to want to and desire to do the things that we're born for. And he is the example, Jesus is the example for all that we're called into. So when he says, follow me, he's calling us to know him first before we become like him second. And this is so, so important. The last verse that I want to bring up in looking at knowing Jesus personally is John 15, 14. Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Everything flows out of an intimate relationship with Jesus and this is something that we need to remember because no matter what it is that we're doing no matter what it is that we feel called to do in terms of the being obedient to the words and the ways of Jesus which is really a definition of a disciple it's a learner a student of the words and ways of Jesus no matter what we need to obey we need to remember that it's going to come out of the deep-seated relationship that Jesus gave his life for And so i want to put that as the first and the foremost most important thing that is the goal of our discipleship that we would know him and that we would know him personally the second part of our the goal that we're establishing is to grow in the likeness of jesus and i want to say this because it's so important that nothing is really higher than becoming like him and that's nature and character in virtue there's this clear call in scripture from genesis chapter 1 all the way to the book of revelation that the people that he created that fell away from him that jesus calls back through his death burial resurrection are truly called to be like him and jesus is not just the payment for our sins but he's the pattern for our life and we need to remember that is that what he what he was like is what we want to be like He's the pattern for what we want to be like in our life as well. And so when we follow him, we're looking at his character. We're looking at his quality. We're looking at not only what he said, but how he said it. How he was in this world, so we are to be. This is what it says in 1 John. Jesus gives a vision for his followers in Luke chapter 6, verse 39. This is what he says. He, he also told them a parable. Verse 39 can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? And this is verse 40. A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. And I believe Jesus, by saying this, was setting a vision for his disciples. He was telling them that, that nobody's going to be above their, their teacher. No student will be above. No disciple will be above. But everyone, when they are fully trained, will be like. All right, this is likeness. And this is what we're after, is to say, he's called us to be like him. And that's what basic discipleship offers. I want you to be like me. And as we consider this, I want us to, again, look at the creation account in Genesis 1.26. This is where God was creating all things. And it says, then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our own likeness. Now, this can be debatable to some people, but the word image and likeness are two different words the word image can be very similar to an icon like on a computer desktop you have an icon which is a symbol of a full program so it's it's a symbol that's indicative of this fuller and large program that's on your computer that icon that image is just a small representation of the big of the bigger and larger thing that it represents and that's the image of we're created an image of god we are not god obviously but we're creating the image of god we're a small representation of who he is and i believe that's to our physical frame there's something about maybe some people would say that we're spirit soul and body and he's father son holy spirit i don't know that could be true but there's something about how we were created our image that reflects him in one way or another small representation of all that he really is but this word likeness is different it says created in his image according to his likeness we're talking about nature character and virtue and what you see from the fall is that Adam and Eve fell from this place of being in relationship with God and as a result of that they lost that connection which would cause them to abide and become like and you see the restoration in christianity is that you and i who give our lives to jesus decide to be disciples and following him we are restored back to being like him and so it is a forever journey of growing into the likeness of jesus who is the full perspective of what god has actually called us to be like and we know this because there's scripture and scripture and scripture about this in fact the best one is romans chapter 8 verse 28 through 30 which is a real popular passage but i want to read it in a way where we see the actual vision that god has for us to become like him and that's what discipleship is really all about verse 28 romans 8 this is what paul said to the church in rome he said and we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose For those who God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He also called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified." Now, this is an interesting passage because sometimes it's used to talk about the issue of predestination, whether it's Calvinist or Arminianist position. That's really not how I'm going to use it. I just want to show you that this verse talks about how all of life, it says, all things work together for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. This Greek word for the word purpose is talking about the very thing that we're saying. What's the goal or the aim? God has a goal for us, and what is that goal? Those who love Him are called according to His purpose. Well, what is that purpose? And the next verse says it in verse 29, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. To be like jesus this again is the second reason or the second goal of what our discipleship is supposed to be all about because this really is god's goal it's his purpose for us and he's saying paul's saying that all of life good and bad is not necessarily authored by god but it's used by god to facilitate his purpose which is for us to be like jesus the way we are, the way we act, the way we react, the way we interact with people. This is, this is the stuff that shapes us and causes us to be the kind of person that functions out of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control and faithfulness. These nine qualities that are mentioned in Galatians chapter five, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus exhibited as he lived life, as he walked on the earth. And we see in him these things that Paul mentions, which are fruit of the spirit. It's actually the fruit of Christ's life. The spirit of Christ in us wants to live out this kind of life. And so we're learning to yield to the spirit of God in our life to become more and more like him conform to the image of his son or the likeness of christ we are all made in the image of god that i don't believe we lost in the fall in genesis chapter 3 but what i do believe we lost was we lost the ability to live righteously and to live like the one that created us this is what we lost and this is what jesus restores us back to is us to be able to be like Him in nature, character, and virtue. Now, we're not going to be like Him in His bigness and His omnipresence and His omniscience. That's why, obviously, we're not God. We're a small representation of aspects of who God is, and there are things about us that reflect Him. That's, That's what we're talking about, but God doesn't share all of His attributes with us. We call those incommunicable attributes, but we have to realize that in this life, everything is used to facilitate God's purpose for our life. God has a thesis for this paper of life that he's written, and we each are one of those, and that is to be like Jesus. As a disciple of Jesus, all of our life is used for this very purpose, and we want to respond like Jesus in everything that happens in our life. And this, my friends, is so, so vital that we get this. Sometimes people will say, Well, I don't know what I'm called to, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this life. Before you ever Think about what you're supposed to do. The greatest and the most important thing that we could ever see as God's will for our life is that we become like Jesus in every situation, in every way, that, that life facilitates that purpose, that I don't just wanna be a good husband or just be a husband, I wanna be a Christ-like husband. I don't want to be a good father, I want to be a Christ-like father. I don't want to be a good pastor, I want to be a Christ-like pastor. I want to be a Christ-like man. I want to be a person that looks like, acts like, reflects the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no greater purpose for you, there is no greater purpose for me. It's not just I want to be a worship leader, or I want to be a prophet, or I want to be an apostle, or uh, all of that's job descriptions. But sonship, whether you're a son or you're a daughter, is to grow up into his very likeness. And don't forget this, because this is the will of God in Christ concerning you and I, and nothing is greater in this life than that. The third goal that we have in terms of discipleship, of what we're aiming for. First, we talked about, we we talked about in this lesson, to know the person of Jesus. We talked about growing in the likeness of Jesus. And the third part is to show the works of Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus and our development prepares us uh, to live a demonstration of the very things that Jesus did. Jesus gave his disciples power and authority to go out and preach the kingdom and demonstrate kingdom power and kingdom life. And that's what we get to do as well. It's not what defines us, but it's what comes out of us. We demonstrate kingdom life and kingdom dynamic and we see that jesus gave his disciples this this authority and power in luke chapter 9 verse 1 through 6 it's not the only place he did this but it's one place that we're going to look at very briefly this is what it says in verse 1 and he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of god to perform healing, and he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, neither a staff, nor a bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not even have two eunuchs or two tunics apiece. Verse 4 Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that city. And as for those who do not receive you, as you go out from that city, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Departing, they began going through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now, we know that in this verse, this was a part of their training, and it would soon be their ministry that Jesus would have them to do as they relied upon the power of the Holy Spirit. But this also is going to be part of our training in life, and that the things that Jesus will call us to do. We see that in the final days of Jesus' ministry, he says something outrageous to the disciples in John fourteen twelve he says truly truly I say to you he who believes in me the works that I do he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to the father greater works in every way because Jesus will not be present Jesus is no longer gonna be with them physically, so he's saying greater in number, greater in measure, greater in every way, That it's gonna spread across the whole earth among thousands and hundreds of thousands and even millions of disciples that are gonna get raised up with the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that Jesus did. Now, you can just read the things that Jesus did. These are kingdom things, but we, we read that Jesus proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. Jesus taught or spoke with authority. He forgave people. Jesus raised the dead. He manifested supernatural power, or miracles. He, he, he had miraculous power. Jesus made disciples. You know, Jesus served those that were in need. Jesus had compassion. I could go on and on and on, but to show the works of Jesus, is something that flows out of the life of out of the life of a disciple because it's the he's the one we're following. And if he did it and he says, come and follow me, then we're called to do it. And that's the goal. That every day we want to enter into a life of kingdom dynamic and kingdom kingdom ministry this is who we are this is what we do we do what jesus our savior our lord our master does and he told his disciples in luke 9 and luke 10 that this is what they were called to do in john 14 he says you will do greater works and then when you go all the way to the end of each of the gospels and he tells them to go into jerusalem and wait the book of acts opens up with the holy spirit descending falling upon the early church 3,000 people getting saved, and the disciples begin to manifest these very things without the physical presence of Jesus. The church was birthed in this. The church was born into these miraculous happenings, these miraculous moments, these kingdom dynamics. And nothing has stopped except for people believing it. Really, I think one of the main reasons why we don't see more people show the works of Jesus is because they don't think it's part of their discipleship. When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I commanded you, we need to remember what Jesus commanded them. He says, Teach them to obey all. The disciples would have known Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10. They would have known John 14, John 15. They would have known that Jesus meant to teach people to obey the things that they were taught. They were taught to heal the sick. They were taught to cast out demons. They were taught that they had authority. They were taught to preach the kingdom. These were the things that were given to those disciples, and Jesus commissioned them with the same ministry that he empowered them to do. And what were those things? Those exact things that I just read. And so I think one of the reasons why people don't exhibit this kind of discipleship is because in their discipleship, they're never taught to heal the sick. They're never taught to cast out demons. They're never taught that they have authority. And when you're not taught that this is what you're supposed to do, you just won't do it. And we need to know that. We need to remember that. That if you're going to make a disciple, first you need to be a disciple that does what Jesus did, that shows the works of Jesus. Because you can. Not because you have to, but because you can. You get to. You have the power to. You have the authority to. He gave us the Holy Spirit, not so that we could do nothing, but so that we could do what Jesus did. And this is such a reality that the church needs to walk in. We need to walk in. As a part of our discipleship, our goal, our aim, what we're looking for, what we're shooting for, our trajectory is to walk in greater and greater faith to do the things that Jesus did. And if that's not a part of what we're going after in discipleship, we need an upgrade. We need an upgrade. We can't just sit in a class. This teaching right now is just the information, but we've got to walk in the demonstration of his power. This is what Paul would say to the Corinthians, that I don't just settle with eloquence of speech, but the demonstration of the Spirit's power. What was he talking about? He was talking about the very things that Jesus taught his disciples to do and the things that Jesus told his disciples to teach others, what Paul had walked in and what Paul clearly not only exhibited, but discipled other people to walk in as well. Maybe we haven't lost this, but some of us have lost sight of it. We need to go back to showing the works of Jesus. We wanna know Him personally, and we wanna become like Him in all of who He is, nature, character, and virtue, and we want to show the power in the works of Jesus. We're talking about knowing, growing, and showing, and it's all about him, it's all of the things that he did. And the question that I want to ask you as we close this session is, are you growing as a disciple of Jesus? Are you growing in a personal relationship with him? Are you you growing in knowing his heart? Are you growing in knowing his word? Are you growing in knowing not just about him, but knowing him personally, to hear his heart, to be sensitive to his voice in your life. The John 10, 27, my sheep hear me. I know them and they follow me. Before we follow, we have to know, and this is so vital. Are you growing as a disciple? Can you look back last year and say, yes, Ben, I know that I'm closer to Jesus now than I was a year ago or two years ago? If the answer to that is no, then ask God to give you a vibrancy a hunger a thirst a desire to be in greater and closer relationship with him and god will answer that prayer that's, that's that that's the prayer that the father wants to hear what father wouldn't want to hear his son or daughter say i want to know you better i want to know you more i can tell you right now the answer to that from god is always going to be a yes and amen absolutely and totally and the other question that i have for you is Are are you growing into the likeness of jesus are you becoming more like him have you noticed that your integrity or the way that you live your life, the way you talk and interact and react to people in the situations of life, are those looking more and more like the world? Are they looking more and more like the old person that you were? Are they looking more like Jesus? What do the people in your life say about you as you grow and live life, as you develop into the person that you are today? Are they saying, wow, you really have become more and more like Jesus? Or or are they just saying, hey, you're growing and I can tell you're, you're getting, maybe they would just say you're getting better. But how would you qualify? or quantify where you're going and how you're growing. And the third question is, are you taking risks in your discipleship? Are you showing forth the the power of Jesus in your life? It takes risk, high risk, high reward. And we wanna see these things happen because our world is crying out for a real Christ and the real Jesus lives in us. But the question is, is he living through us? Are we yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit that is resident inside of us? We have power waiting to be released through our life. You know, C.S. Lewis said that true Christian discipleship is first a matter of the heart. And my question to you is, where is your heart at in all of this? Do you desire and long for growing into this disciple that God has called you to be? These are our goals. These are our standards. And now we want to pray and ask God to help us to take the steps that we need to take to become more like this right to know to grow and to show after the person of jesus christ let me pray for us father i thank you today for everybody that's taking this class i pray for myself my family i pray for all of the students in this class i ask lord that you would give us a holy desire to walk with you to walk after you to become more like you and to show the works that you showed I pray for the power of the Spirit to come upon us and that we would take risks, that we would be bold. I pray we would also enter into the secret place and spend time with you. I pray that we could hear your Holy Spirit whisper to us and speak what's on your heart. Help us, Lord, to grow as the disciples that you want us to be. We love you and we thank you for the journey that we're on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, God bless you guys. I look forward to our next discipleship lesson together.